was starting to think about dating, I thought about what my first experience of it and of romance. And I think it was when I was in year two, and I remember putting my coat on, waiting behind my chair for the teacher to say it was time to leave, and looking across the room as my boyfriend, Christopher Marlowe, held hands with a girl called Elizabeth Bennett. <laughs> and I remember thinking um, that this was, you know, whatever. Um, and it wasn't until two weeks later that I found this was actually two timing, and I had been in a consenting polygamous relationship for all of that time. Um, <laughs> And then when I was about 10, I had my first real boyfriend, um, and his first move was to hold my hand and kiss it like he was some kind of like 18th century suitor. Um, and I really liked that, but all of my friends made fun of it. Um, and so you can kind of get how much I love romance. Um, now, as I got older, my perceptions of what romance was changed as I got older. They weren't the obvious, cheesy, romantic things. They were kind of like, the idea of falling in love with someone that was under your nose the whole time and that um, you could kind of find love in the everyday. So you can imagine my joy when after a year of being at university with one of my best guy friends, things got a little bit steamy. Um, and it was all a bit weird and awkward and that kind of thing where when you're with uh, someone that you know like that, you don't know whether you should do it or if it's going to be strange. And the whole thing was cut short anyway because I had to go at five in the morning um, to Berlin for this flight that I'd booked ages ago with my best friend for a weekend, and I had an essay to do before that, and it was three in the morning. So <laughs> I ran downstairs and finished my essay, and I didn't have much time to think about it. But then for the whole time I was in Berlin, I kept lingering on this one moment. I thought, oh, maybe it's that situation, and I'm in love. Um, and I decided that I was, um, and that... Um, <laughs> the, um, and I kept going over this moment, and I, it really gave me butterflies, and I, I thought it was incredible. And on the last night, I decided to confide in my best friend, Olivia, about it. And she was like, go for it. You guys get on really well, and like, clearly we'll all be supportive. We all hang out all the time anyway. It'll just be the same, but you kiss a bit. And so I <laughs> decided that, okay, cool. Well, um, when I get home, that's the best thing I'm going to do. I'm going to tell him. But unfortunately, before I got the chance to tell him, my life went a bit crazy, um, my mum had been ill for most of my life with Huntington's disease and she'd been in for a routine operation that turned out not to be so routine and um, unfortunately passed away. So before I got the chance to kind of have my big thing, too much craziness went on and I didn't get to reveal it. Um, so for the, I think like every, it all mushed into one weird time, but Joe and Olivia got the train back with me to Yorkshire, which was like a three hour journey and then they went straight back on another three hour journey just to drop me off on what would be the most miserable holiday of my life. Um, the whole time, the only thing that kind of kept me going between sort of falling asleep in the bath and lying under sheets for ages, not moving, was stalking Facebook and looking at all of the fun I was missing out on. It was kind of strange because it was um, Joe's birthday, so Olivia had sent me texts saying, like, what she'd done for him and had done nice things, like um, bought him the paper that we normally did the crossword with um, and taken him out for dinner and stuff like that. And so it was nice. I was kind of happy for them, and that was all good. I hadn't heard from Joe for about a week, but then he texted me to say, did I still want to go to Paris? And all of a sudden I remembered we had spent just £50 on these tickets to Paris on a whim earlier in the semester. And um, I just thought, well, you know what? Paris is a nice place, and you know what? This isn't very nice. So <laughs> I decided to go. Um, I also kind of naively, hopefully thought, maybe my unrequited love might become requited in such a romantic place. The whole trip got off to a bad start when um, on the way 
We went by bus for a start, which is the least romantic way to get to Paris, <laughs> I can tell you. Um, and uh, on the bus, it was full of immigrant, a lot of like immigrants trying to smuggle into the country. And so we got <laughs> stopped on the way to Paris. And um, we watched out the window and kind of laughed as these sniffer dogs went over everyone's bag. And we're like, wouldn't it be funny if, oh, shit. And so this dog stopped on my bag for ages. I ended up having, in broken French, having to be interrogated by them. And we ended up being really late into Paris. It was something like, I think it was like two in the morning. And we were staying with a family friend that I really didn't know very well. And she had no idea where we were, and she had to go straight to bed because she had work the next day. So without really saying much, we were kind of lampooned into this room, which was like one flat with like everything in it, um, and had to sleep on the squeakiest airbed next to her and her boyfriend, who clearly just had an argument because they were bickering in French. Um, and the whole night, I just lay there awkwardly, feeling a bit tense that I was next to Joe, but also that we hadn't spoken about the weird moment. And we're in Paris, and I couldn't move because it was so loud, and they were so bickery. <laughs> um, so it was all a bit, that was all a bit awful. And um, so in the morning, we were like, I don't think we should really stay here um, much longer. But luckily, my dad, in his infinite wisdom, before we went, said, oh, if you haven't got any money, you should just camp. And I was like, what? So we'd got a tent with us because he'd said that there was a really good campsite um, in a place that used to be a prostitution district, but now was all right. So we were like, okay, cool, we'll just set off to the campsite and it'll be sweet. And so we got on the train, tent in our hands, not very much money on us. Um, and my purse got stolen. I got mugged on the, the metro. Um, and in our sort of panic to uh, resolve the issue, because she jumped off the train and we got to the next one, Joe left the tent behind, so we had no money, um, 80 pounds between both of us for, for another three nights, and we didn't quite know what we were going to do. Um, Joe just smoked cigarette after cigarette, looking for the Eiffel Tower on a map, because he thought that might cheer us up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which um, it kind of did, so we got to the Eiffel Tower, and, and we're like, shit, where are we going to stay? We ended up finding this hostel that was um, divided by men and women for some reason, and it was also very prison-like and very cheap. Um, and so we kind of, to drown our sorrows, ended up um, having quite a nice day, actually. And at the end of it, found ourselves on the, the steps of the Sacre Coeur, drinking really cheap wine and getting quite drunk. And in this moment, I thought, this is it. I'm going to tell him it's time. Um, and we slowly got drunker and more vulnerable. And as the words started to form on my tongue, words formed on his, but they were quite different. And they went like this. I think I'm in love with Olivia. Ah, cool. So it transpired that on that very same train journey that they'd taken me to my misery holiday on, they'd actually hooked up on the train on the way back and had been going out the whole time since I'd been on my misery holiday but didn't want to tell me because they didn't know how I'd take it. And Olivia obviously knew how I felt. Um, and so... With that in mind, I finished the rest of the wine, um, and then we uh, realized we'd missed the last metro home, so ended up trying to navigate this very confusing bus system, and I had such bad blisters, and we were so poor, and <laughs> so it was all really sad. We ended up walking for miles until it was four in the morning, only to arrive at my dormitory to a silent room of like half-naked German women, I think, and <laughs> ended up lying on my bed, and I got a text from my dad saying, how's Paris? I hope it's cheering you up. And at that point, I burst into tears. I'd lost my two best friends and someone that I thought I was in love with. I'd lost my purse. I'd lost my mum. Um, it was really sad. It was really sad. Um, but then uh, the next day, we had no money for a hostel, so we ended up going to a really cheap nightclub and hoping that it would say 
open until I burst in the morning. Um, we split the last £10 that we had to buy a Red Bull to keep us awake. Um, and unfortunately, at three in the morning when we were turfed out, uh, the metro wasn't open either. So we stood next to a slightly strange homeless man um, and chatted to him until the bus uh, arrived. Um, and eventually, uh, yeah, I thought the kind of pain was over until I realised that because I didn't have my purse, I didn't have any of my tickets to get home. So I got fined every step of the journey home. So all I got home to when I got to Yorkshire was a pile of bills and nothing. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was pretty sad. But the good, <laughs> yeah, the good twist to this story is that Joe and I actually ended up going out um, for four years. I after that experience, <laughs> I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, after that experience, I um, started going on dates, which kind of brings it back around to this. And um, I think he kind of hated that. And so one of the dates I, I finished and came home and came home to a guy that wanted to be in a relationship with me. Anyway, it was quite a nice relationship, but towards the end of it, um <laughs> towards the end of it, we both, we both realized we wanted kind of different things. Um, I thought about moving back to New Zealand again and he decided that he wants to have sex with guys. So we kind of just went our, <laughs> our different way. Um, and, and then I moved to New Zealand and my chances of finding an English gentleman that would kiss my hand or be called Elizabeth Bennett or Christopher, you know, like there was, there was no one that met my romantic ideals. Um, and so I decided to go on 20 dates in six months, which I wrote about for Gather and Hunt. And that was kind of part of why I ended up becoming a matchmaker. Um, and it was quite depressing. And <laughs> at the end of it, um, the funniest thing happened. I got uh, a DM on Twitter, which is the most romantic form of communication. <laughs> and it um, was asking me out on a date. And I said yes. And then I went on another date, and another date, and another date. And then I got really sick for about a week. And um, I think he asked me how I felt. And I said, like, I was a Jane Austen character in a fever. And about an hour later, I got a knock on the door. And the best bunch of bouquet of flowers I'd ever seen with a note saying, I hope this makes you feel like you're in the nice part of a Jane Austen novel. Um, and at that point, my faith in romance was restored and I'd urge you to date. <laughs>